Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. Good morning, Lifehouse. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. I know that Mother's Day for a lot of us, it can be pretty joyful and it could also be painful and full of hurt. I know that I experience both. Um, so for those who call themselves mom or have someone that calls you mom, biological or not, we celebrate you today. For those who are experiencing heartache today, maybe wondering where your mom is, who your mom is, if you're going to be a mom one day. Um, it's the what ifs of every day. We're here for you and we mourn with you. Know that you are loved today and however your heart feels, you're not alone and we love you. And because it's Mother's Day, I would like to honor my mother. My mother is full of wisdom, determination, and has been an inspiration to me in so many ways. I am the mother I am today because of her. Mama, thank you for believing in me, thank you for loving me, and thank you for always pointing me to Jesus. I love you. And I also want to pay honor to my mother-in-law, Sharon. She has been happily in heaven with her Savior for five years. And I am so honored to have known her for 16 years of my life. By watching her, I, I learned what it is to persevere during difficult times, no matter what. And her children, John, my husband, Lacey, my sister-in-law, they are testaments to her faith and her prayers. She lives in our hearts every day, our thoughts, our hearts. She's always with us. So I honor her today. Now, a typical church service on Mother's Day usually involves speaking on one of the many amazing women of the Bible. Um, I'm going to name a few. So there's Deborah, a wife, a prophetess, and a judge. Her story is found in the book of Judges. God used her during a very turbulent time in the history of the nation of Israel to lead people's hearts back to the Lord. There's Mary Magdalene, one of the most prominent women in the New Testament. Before she was a disciple of Jesus, she lived a very dark life. She was tortured by seven demons. Jesus cast them out and she was healed. And from that day forward, she followed him wherever he went. She was there when they murdered him, when they buried him, and was the first person to see him after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene is the very definition of life changed through Christ. There's Rahab a prostitute that was despised even by her own wicked culture. Talk about being at the bottom of the bottom. God used her to hide two Hebrew spies that came into her city, which was called Jericho. And Rahab had heard about the God of Israel and how he rescued his people. So she decided to place her faith in that God. She and her family were saved from the destruction of Jericho and Rahab became part of the genealogy of Jesus, a beautiful picture of grace and redemption. Then there's the woman with a blood issue. She had been sick for 12 years, used all of her money with the doctors trying to find a cure. 
she became an outcast, marked as unclean. Then she heard about Jesus and knew in her soul she had to get to him. Jesus is on his way to heal a little girl. And there's a lot of people crowding him, touching him, bumping into him. And he stopped. The crowd stopped. He looked around and asked, who touched me? And blessed the little disciples' hearts. Uh, they're like, um, so there's like a lot of people around you right now and everybody's kind of touching you. So that's kind of funny that you would ask that, right? Uh, but <laughs> this woman who had been sick for 12 years, that's a long time. She had no answers, no hope, nowhere to go, no one else to turn to. She crawled her way through the crowd to just touch the hem of his garment. Now, where is the hem of someone's garment? Especially back in the robe-wearing days. It's long. The hem of a garment is at the bottom by the feet. So this tells me she was so desperate for healing that she made a way to get to him no matter what. Even if she wasn't healed, even if this was her last resort and nothing happened, she was not going to miss this opportunity. So she stood up. She faced Jesus, not knowing what was going to happen. And she told everyone it was her. She touched him and he had healed her through her faith. She was clean now. And how did Jesus respond to her? With compassion, with love as a true father. He called her daughter. One touch and everything changed. Then there is Mary, mother of Jesus, a young, young woman visited by an angel, told she was going to become pregnant with the promised Messiah. Not married, has no reason to be pregnant yet with, I mean, at all, and is highly favored by God to carry out this promise. She had questions. What if she becomes an outcast? What if her future husband and family shamed her? Even in the confusion, she still said yes to God. In her faith, she submitted to God's plan. Her what if turned into even if. Now, I think most of us can relate with the what ifs of life. And you could even call your what ifs fears. And I'm sure some of you are already thinking about the what if that you say the most. And I want you to think about it right now. Just take a minute. Think about like, what do I do a lot of? Now, I know that there's certain situations where you do have to think through and you do have to plan. We have a lot of planners out in the world, so we're, we're thinking through, we're sorting through. But when you stay in that what if, what is that what if question that you stay in? And I want you to think about it. Write it down on a piece of paper, type it in the notes in your phone, because I want you to remember it. We're going to come back to it at the end, okay? So I'm going to read a few what if statements just to help us out here. What if... I end up alone. What if they never forgive me? What if I don't get this job? What if I'm rejected? What if I'm not able to have children? What if the sickness never goes away? What if my anxiety never leaves? What if, what if, what if? The beginning of fear starts with what if. These questions plague our everyday lives and in the middle of the what ifs, we can begin to lose our trust in God. We can start to focus on the wrong things. 
because what we're seeing with our natural eyes, it can be so problematic that that becomes our focus instead of focusing and trusting in God. And when we think about the women that I just spoke about, and we think about how easily it could have been for them to live in their own what ifs, you know, an angel coming to you and saying, hey, you're going to, I know you haven't given, you're not married, you have no reason to be pregnant, but you're going to get pregnant like right now with the Messiah. I'm sorry, but okay, what if this, what if, what if, what if, but, 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 what if, what if, what if? I would have a million questions and I would, I don't know that I would say yes. You know, I don't know. But here in their faith, they knew they could say yes. You know, they moved forward in trusting God's plan. And I feel like if they stayed in their what ifs, their lives and the lives that would be affected by their choice, it would have turned out a lot differently. They chose not to rely on their own strength. They did not rely on themselves to do what God had asked of them. They partnered with him by faith and they said, what if this doesn't work? But then they moved forward and said, well, even if it doesn't, I know that I've done what he's asked. He's never let me down before. I know I can trust him. Now, some of you, I've been, I've been saying the word faith a lot and I like definitions because I think it helps us understand what we're really trying to say. So I'm going to define faith. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And now I'm going to give you a few examples of how you use your faith every single day. <laughs> okay? You have faith to get in your car, a big metal thing on wheels, and you drive. That's faith, especially around here right? Uh, faith in yourself to complete your work every day. You get up, you drive in your car, and you get to work or you work from home or whatever, but you have faith that you're going to do what you trust yourself that you're going to get stuff done, whatever that is. Faith in your job to pay you for your work that you're doing. And maybe faith that the Chick-fil-A drive-thru will be under 10 minutes, even though there are 40 cars in front of you. And you have faith that the fries will still be hot when you get your food. Can I get an amen? Yes, that is faith. And I know that's funny. Um, but you might be saying, okay, cool, that's faith in like every day, whatever, whatever. But I don't have like real faith. I don't have enough faith to like drown out the what ifs, to the noise of the what ifs. I can't even get to even if. So let me, let me say this. What are you beholding? Because it's a very noisy, it's a very noisy world. We look around, we see a lot of things, we hear a lot of things. We have so much at our fingertips where we can just constantly keep moving, moving, moving. And we, we miss out on what we should be beholding because what we are beholding is chaotic. And we need to be beholding our Savior where there is true peace, true joy. It's not noisy. So let me say this. What we behold, we become. So who or what are you beholding? And who or what are you becoming? Now, have you noticed that even before the pandemic, how strained life was? There, there was and there still is so much to look at, so much to take in, that sometimes 
we didn't even realize or we don't even realize that the only thing that we're beholding is the noise of life. It's very distracting. And we wonder why it feels like God's not near to us. Now, there's a song by Lauren Daigle, and it's called Look Up, Child. And I want to read you um, the lyrics. It starts off, where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Where are you now when all I feel is doubt? Where are you now when I can't figure it out? She's asking questions about what's happening in her heart and around her. But she's not questioning God's plan. She knows his character because then she says, you're not threatened by the war. You're not shaken by the storm. I know you're in control. Even in our suffering, even when it can't be seen, I know you're in control. And then God asks her and tells her, look up, child. Stop beholding all this. Behold me. Look up. So you become what you behold. Now, I have been in personal and marriage counseling for the past two years. I was beholding a lot of past emotional trauma. And my personality is, I'm going to keep going. I'm okay. My stuff's not as bad as everybody else. It's fine. Let's keep moving. Um, I'm just going to make sure everybody's okay. That's my personality. I'm going to check on you. I'm going to check on my neighbors. I'm going to check on my friends. I'm going to check on my friends that I haven't checked on in 10 years, so I don't have to think about anything. And I'm just going to keep checking on stuff and making sure everybody's good. And I wasn't checking on myself. I was really good at, at doing. My what if was very far from even if. I was doing a lot of what ifs, which would send my mind and my heart spiraling to where sometimes I, I felt like I could not get out. And there were, I, I have a few friends that, um, they don't know a lot of details of my life, but if I say, hey, I need prayer right now, I cannot get control of my heart and my mind, and I feel like I'm spiraling, they will stop what they're doing and they will pray. And those moments um, with, with the community that I had, with my friends praying for me, uh, it got me out of that spiral and I came back into reality. Now, I tried to, you know, read good books, like to help you and all that stuff. And I tried for years to try to do it on my own. Um, and then... I realized I'm just reading a lot of good words, but I don't know how to move forward. And if you're just reading good words and you're still not moving forward, you really need a, a, an internal transformation, a heart transformation, and only God can do that. So um, I was encouraged to seek out professional counseling, and um, I just want you to know it's okay that you're not perfect and you can't have it all together on this side of heaven because if we were all perfect and we had our lives together, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't need Jesus. And that's not how this goes. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be here if I was, if I had everything together, you know. Um, my heart and my mind were directed toward being okay outwardly. Like if I can be okay outwardly, I'll be fine. 
and you do that, yeah, I'm good. How you doing? How are you? You know, when you do the grocery store thing and the cashier's like, how you doing today? I'm good, how are you? It's just a statement we say. We don't believe it. It's just a phrase that we throw out of our mouths. So I wanted to get to a point where I actually was okay and was good. Um, I wanted to be transformed and healed so badly. And I wanted the what ifs spiral to stop. And that's why I sought professional Christian counseling to move me forward. Because sometimes you just get to that point, you are so sick of being stuck. So I want to encourage you today, if you've been searching for freedom in your mind and your heart and your soul, and you haven't been able to move forward, you get sucked into the what ifs in your mind and heart, I want to give you permission to seek professional help because God has equipped many beautiful people to help us on this side of heaven. So go be free. Amen. I understand trauma. I understand pain. You don't have to compare it to anyone else. Trauma is trauma. I also understand the faithfulness of God. Because when, when I look back over my life, I can see how his hand has guided me up to this point. When I didn't know what was going on, I didn't know what was gonna happen, felt like I was waiting forever for relief in my heart and in my mind. He was faithful to bring me through and he's still faithful to this day. Excuse me. <clears throat> Even in my lack of faith, he's faithful. When it seems like God isn't doing anything about anything that I'm asking, I can choose to trust him because like I said, you can look back. I want you to look back. I mean, look back over the, the past year. Yeah, there's probably a lot of bad stuff that has happened and things that you were like, I didn't want that. I didn't expect that. But where was God's faithfulness to you? Look back and see that and hold on to that. Because his goodness and faithfulness is always and forever. It doesn't mean that everything will magically change. I didn't just because I went to counseling it wasn't like everything magically changed and it's like, oh, I'm so good now. Um, no, I just knew that I could, even though the process was very difficult, I could still trust him to bring me through it. Sometimes we don't just get pulled out of things. We have to go through it and it builds our faith. And we can ask questions all day long. Sometimes we get answers, sometimes we don't. And sometimes I think we don't need the answer because if we knew what the answer was right now, um, we would blow God's plan off and we'd still do what we want to do and be like, yeah, whatever. I already know the ending. Yeah, he's not going to do that, <laughs> which is okay. I think that's good for us um, because we can ask questions without questioning his plan. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, this is God speaking. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm so glad that he does not think the way that I think. And he doesn't work the way that I work. He's so much better. He's so much better than what I would do. So here we are, we're moving forward. So how do we turn these what ifs 
all these questions, these what ifs, how do we turn these what ifs into even ifs? We have the opportunity to choose to trust God's plan. This causes our faith to grow and fear to lose power over our minds and hearts. The what if questions that I read in the beginning, let's go ahead and change them to even if, okay? So we're gonna change them to even if. Even if I end up alone, I will trust in you, God. Even if they never forgive me, I know I'm forgiven by you. Even if I don't get this job, I will have faith in you. Even if I'm rejected, I know I'm accepted by you. Even if I'm not able to have children, I will trust your plan for my life. Even if the sickness never goes away, I will remember your faithfulness in my life. Even if my anxiety never leaves, I have faith that you have given doctors wisdom to help me. God cares about our emotions. He cares about the what ifs that we deal with. And I know that because in 1 Peter 5, 7, we are told to cast all of our fear, all of our cares, all of our anxiety on him because he cares. It's exactly what it says. He cares. So even if I lose everything, I'm going to be okay because I know that the God of my salvation is faithful. I want to read 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. That just blesses my heart. Though we will experience pain and sorrow in our lives, we can choose to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, knowing that he can use the what ifs in our lives for his glory. Again, we may not get the answer we want, the answer we're looking for, or an answer at all, but that's where our faith comes in. I want to end today with a story in the Old Testament that even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard this one. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's found in the book of Daniel. Here's the context, okay? God's people, the Israelites, they disobeyed God, were scattered all throughout the world at that time, and some of the Israelites were in exile in Babylon. However, because of God's favor and the Jews' work ethic, and trustworthiness, some got promoted to leadership positions. Most notably, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, although in a pagan country with pagan leaders, believed and lived their lives for God. While they were in leadership within Babylon, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, made a huge golden statue to proclaim the greatness of himself and the nation of Babylon and made a law throughout the land that any time they heard certain sounds, uh, like flutes, horns, harps, everybody had to stop what they were doing and bow down and pay reverence to the king and the country. And if they didn't, he was gonna throw them into a fire, like a very, 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 very hot, 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 hot fire. By now, you probably know how the story ended. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't very uh, cool with it. 
And when the sounds happened, the flutes and the horns and the harps, um, they didn't bow. They stood. And the king was mad, arrested them, took them into custody, and then threw them in the fire. However, when they were thrown in the fire, they didn't get burned. And as a matter of fact, the king said he saw four people in the fire. And many scholars believe that the fourth was Jesus. But the point is that God was faithful to keep and save these three men. Now, what I want you to focus on in this story, is just it's not the end result here, but it's the attitude and the perspective that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. And that gets missed sometimes. So I want to read Daniel 3, 16 through 18. So it's right after the king told them what was going to happen if they didn't bow down. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. There you go. Verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Isn't that powerful? Like, if you really hear what they're saying here, okay, so go ahead, throw us in the fire. We're good. God's got us. What do we have to lose? He can deliver us if he wants to, and we believe that he can. But if he doesn't, we're still going to be faithful. We're still going to serve him because he's always been faithful to us. I believe that this encompasses how you turn your what ifs into even ifs. It's believing that God has the ability and the power to do anything at any time for any reason he sees fit. It's trusting in the power of God. It's trusting that God knows best. He sees from a different perspective than I do. His goal is not my happiness, but my holiness. My growth, not my comfort. My perspective being right, not just my circumstances. And it's holding these two ideas at the same time. God can and will do anything, but I trust that he knows best. Which will help you walk with confidence, boldness, and fearless throughout life. So what are you afraid of right now? What's your what if? How would you answer the what if question? I want you to think about that. You, you wrote your what if in the beginning. So look at it again. How can you turn that into an even if? Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehouseinn.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.